Super Talk Mississippi media production. Specializing in Ford, Nissan, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Rams. CorinthAutoGroup.com and FordOfCorinth.com, where cars and happy drivers meet. Visit us now in person or online with the experience you deserve. Howdy, howdy, it's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Everyone and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbert, along with Rhino in the Element Wealth Studios, guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music. Morning, Rhino. Howdy, howdy. I trust your weekend was better than Morgan Wallet's. I still have my voice. <laughs> Woo, man! Who'd have thunk it? He went from being a hero to a goat in about 24 hours. Well, you can't use goat in that context (laughs) anymore because the kids have flip-flopped it. That's true. Now goat stands for greatest of all all time. time. Right. Well, back in my day, it didn't. It meant losers. (laughs) Golly, that's just a shame. Terrible. Just terrible. I think it would have been a little bit more palatable for those involved if it had not happened in the time frame it happened in. What do you mean? Well, if if you wake up and you're having a hard time and your voice sounds like that, yeah. then you, you know you're probably not going to be able to recuperate that yeah. in the span of hours, let alone days. Yeah. So you probably would be behooved to not wait until six minutes before the concert begins to let everybody know after yeah. they've already waited in traffic and spent all that money on those $80 hoodies that now they feel very <laughs> vindictive for having a hoodie to a concert they've never seen. Well, which is a life lesson. Right. Don't buy the merch till you've seen <laughs> the band play. Well... Okay, I'll admit I'm guilty of that, but that's because when I go see Journey, I buy the VIP tickets, which gets you early access. And one of the benefits of that is you get to the merch stands before the crowds. Before they sell out of the really popular item that always happens. So you get your stuff. But even though they're all around my age... They're still performing and selling out every single dang night, by the way. I do track them. Uh, now, it's not... I don't know how many were in the vault. 70,000, probably? I don't know. On Saturday? Because it holds 60-something, right? I don't think it got to 70, but it was a bunch on Saturday. 60, maybe. Yeah. crowd did seem a little thinner last night, but still a sizable crowd. Yeah. It's a good crowd. But... It's just weird how that happens. Now, did, we were talking about this earlier. Was there not 
something that occurred with with uh, Mr. Wallen in Kentucky a couple of weeks ago during a performance? Uh, yeah, I haven't seen the video, but apparently there is a video of him slipping and busting it on stage. Ooh, ooh, ouch, that hurts. Don't really know what a bruised tailbone has to do with your vocal cords, though. No, I agree. And I'm, so, because of the very late cancellation, minutes before the show, after the warm-up groups had performed, right? Oh, yeah. Well, of course that leads to all sorts of speculation about the reason for the cancellation that was that was provided. Oh, yeah. Social media has been alive with scuttlebutt. Well, I agree. And when I got up this morning and I started scrolling, some that's of them all are crazier than others. It's, it's kind of funny. Of course, you would expect that. You would certainly expect that. Hmm. So last night and even tonight, residents in several states across the country should be able to see the northern lights. You want to explain what that is exactly, the northern lights? Yeah, it's an excitation of the upper atmosphere by cosmic rays from the sun. Okay. And the, it's NOAA, the National Weather Service, predicted. It's usually associated with uh, very almost polar or arctic climates because it's easier to see the closer you get to the north or south pole. Coronal mass ejections, CMEs, and, of course, solar flares. Right. Both of which uh, produce this phenomenon. Yeah, because, I mean, the sun is a giant ball of fusion reactions happening. It's just a big ball of energy. That's the energy that it produces travels all that distance in, what, eight and a half minutes from the sun to the earth, and that's the warmth you feel on your skin when you're standing in sunlight, is that energy it's sending out. Well, fusion reaction is violent. And when you have that big of a fusion reaction, you have coronal mass ejections, you have solar flares, you have energy sent out at a higher than usual rate, but it's usually pinpointed. So it's kind of like if you pop a balloon with a needle that's full of water, that water shoots out a stream. It's kind of like that, where it's a little bitty hole in the surface of the sun that lets that energy out, and it shoots out, and it can come towards Earth. And if you get a particularly big one, you wind up with the northern or southern lights, the Borealis, being seen further south than normal. According to NASA, thank you for that explanation, according to NASCA, NASCA, <laughs> NASA, CMEs can create currents in Earth's magnetic fields that send particles to the North and South Poles when those poles interact with oxygen and nitrogen, of course, found around our atmosphere, they can create auroras. Oh, yeah. Thus, the light show. Need a clear sky to see it. And if the uh, CME is particularly violent or pointed directly at the Earth, it can cause even more problems. In the late 1800s, I want to say it was the 1870s, but I could be wrong, there was something called the Carrington Event, 
where I believe the the guy that discovered the the solar flare was named Carrington. That's why I got named after him. But mm-hmm. there was a solar flare that was pointed at the Earth and strong enough to where telegraph operators at the time saw sparks coming from their telegraph machines. They would unplug the battery that would actually send electricity and current down the line so the telegraph would work down the line. They would unplug the battery, and there was enough energy in the atmosphere that they could still that? send telegraphs without the battery. How about that? And it's been theorized if something like that, on that magnitude, happened nowadays, it could be bad. Yeah. Because it could fry all kinds of electronics. Yep. Makes total sense. Interesting. Well, you were talking about the sun. What would you say, the time lapse? I want to say it takes about eight, eight and a half minutes for light to get, from for energy, usually okay. in the form of light, to get from the sun to the earth. Because it's that far. Yeah. Well, back in uh, sophomore level chemistry in high school, Sister Anacleta said that cold is the absence of heat. You ever heard that before? Is that oh, yeah. true? Cold is the absence of heat. That it's cold is natural, and not that heat isn't from the sun, but absent the sun and the heat it provides, is cold. Oh yeah, which is why we're kind of placed where we are, the Earth, the Goldilocks zone, right, relative to distance to the hot, sun, not too cold, right, which makes it. It's just intrigued humans for a long time. I wonder if folks live, they're people living, beings on other planets. And if they are living there, how do they deal with the climate that's not really, wouldn't sustain human life? Right. Couldn't live on Mars, for example. Right? I don't think not so. Not the way we understand life, no. The, yeah, talking about humans that we're accustomed to. Because the to. way we understand life is a carbon-based life form that's that true. breathes oxygen and expels carbon dioxide. Right. Carbon. A, a Another form of life that wasn't carbon-based was perhaps silicon-based or titanium-based. I mean, there's all these other elements. If you build life off that, then life would probably look weirder. Could sustain in those environments. Not carbon-based. Well, now you got me thinking about Joni Mitchell's favorite tune, a famous tune, not favorite, Woodstock. Where she makes, <laughs> there's a refrain in there, right? Billion-year-old carbon. We are stardust. We are billion-year-old carbon. Lyrics from that 1970s tune. 69, I guess. We're going to have to crank that one up now that you made me think about it. Yeah, it was introduced. She said she introduced the song on December 12th, 1969, at a concert in Worcester, Massachusetts, about Woodstock. Mike McKenna, president of MWR Strategies and columnist for the Washington Times, is on middays at 11.05. It's a two-hour show, Super Talk Outdoors with Ricky Matthews. Follows middays today. It's a Monday, just getting cranked up. Stay with us in the Element Wealth Studios.
Now back to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. Crosby, Stills, and Nash with Woodstock by Joni Mitchell going down to Yasker's Farm. That's where they went in 1969. It is kind of crazy because Crosby, Stills, and Nash released Woodstock in March of 1970, even though the song was written by Joni Mitchell, who released her version in April of 1970. Yeah. You think that they just, like, go pilfer the... (laughs) lyrics there and make a hit song or they had a deal you think Uh, according to the internet there were apparently four versions of that same song recorded within 12 months of each other in 1970 well that's hmm. two on this side of the pond and two on the other side of the pond in the uk i didn't even know that her version and crosby stills nash version the only two i know but that of course the crosby stills nash version it just it's perfect for woodstock it's the anthem of Woodstock, in my view. The lyrics go on to say, and I dreamed I saw the bombers. Actually, it's the bomber jet planes. I think they they inserted jet planes. Did Crosby, Stills, and Nash. The original lyrics, the bombers. Riding shotgun in the sky, and they were turning into butterflies across our nation. You know, if you contrast the sort of social unrest of that era, Versus today. At least it was mostly peaceful. I mean, they're talking about turning B-52s into butterflies. What could be more peaceful than that? Flower power, man. Yeah, groovy. Far out. Far out. We are stardust. Billion-year-old carbon. We are golden. Caught in the devil's bargain. And we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. Yeah. Awesome. Appreciate that, Rhino, bumping us in here. A lot of stuff going on, as I'm watching here on the television in the studio. Climate protesters delay a formula race in Berlin. I bet you knew that. You kind of tracking that stuff. Yeah, it was uh, Formula 4, if I'm not mistaken, which is kind of a feeder series to the top Formula 1. And, yeah, they were... It was for I know it wasn't Formula Four. It was Formula E. e formula because E because that didn't that made even less sense yes. because Formula E is electric. The climate protesters <laughs> protested a race using electric vehicles. Well, I just saw images. They're setting a fire a pool table. What's that all about? I don't know where this was. I don't think he set it on fire, if this is a video I'm thinking of. But oh. there was a guy. It was the Snooker Championships. Okay. And in the middle of play, he ran out there and jumped on the table and threw orange powder all over That's the place. That's what it is. It looked like a fire coming yeah. up, the still photo. It's orange powder on a billiards table. What the heck is that all about? 
It's these just stop oil people. It's the same idiots that glue themselves <laughs> to artwork and glue themselves to the pavement to block traffic. It's all about, look at me. <laughs> yeah, Pay right. attention to me. Well, along those lines, folks, are you tired of paying them high electricity bills? How about your natural gas bills? Those have gone up sharply the last couple of years since Biden's been in office. Well, hold my beer, as they say. The EPA, under Joe Biden, announced that it is going to issue new power plant rules that lean on carbon capture will require natural gas-fired power plants to install technology to capture carbon emissions. And this should, according to the Biden administration, help to decarbonize the power sector in 12 years. So we're going to pay for this, of course. It also likely means that we'll have less power capacity. So, just like all other policy initiatives that come from the left, there are interesting conflicts here. We, we want you to go run out and buy an electric vehicle, which is going to, of course, consume more power from the electric grid, but we're going to force those organizations, those facilities that produce electricity to decarbonize, which likely means we'll have less electricity. So some of them will just say, the heck with it, we're not doing it, and go find something else to do. There are just so many contradictions in the policies. I saw John Kerry, who likes to jet around the world, lecturing everybody else about how they need to dramatically change their lifestyles to change the planet. He's giddy. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but not a whole lot. He's giddy about the fact that the price of fuel at the pump, and of course electricity and so forth, energy in general, he's giddy about the fact that our current mostly carbon-based energy complex is has experienced rather dramatic price increases. You see the price of gas is on the way up again because oil is up. He's giddy about this because it means that the price of renewable sources of energy is competitive. So here's what you got. You got a socialist who is acknowledging the fundamentals of market economics that I wouldn't have any issue totally converting to renewable energy. I think most Americans would, as long as they don't give up anything and it doesn't cost them any more money. When I'm persuaded that, hey, I can have an electric vehicle and bypass the gas stations and I don't I don't realize any difference in my travel, my driving habits, I don't have to stop for an hour to charge and don't have these low ranges per charge 
Once we overcome all those issues, sure, I'm all for it. But if you're telling me I got to go do this and I got to give up something, the market doesn't respond well. That's just human nature. Especially when the people telling you you have to do without will not be doing without. Exactly right. Which he won't. So I'm all about solar panels, but if I got to go, I mean, if that means I don't have to connect to the grid and pay the power bill every month. But we've looked at this, and it's seventeen to thirty thousand dollars, depending on the size of your home, to install the stuff. That's just kind of a hard pill to swallow, and the government's going to give you some credit towards that. Well, it's just not working. That's after the government gives you credit for it. If you if you can show me a model where I don't have any upfront out of pocket cost of significance, I mean, I get it if I have a payback of of a few months or so, but if you're telling me it's years, the average person's just not running out to buy solar panels. I'm still waiting to find out who's doing this, because the Inflation Reduction Act, which now they have admitted is really more of of a climate change bill, will we get any data that come, comes back and shows just how much all those credits have influenced in uh, essentially incited Americans to go out and buy new gas, uh, pardon me, electric appliances and electric water heaters and electric vehicles and new panels and insulation and all the stuff those credits cover. Who's out taking advantage of all that? If And I'm using taking advantage to represent what they tell us. You can get these credits, and you're better off. That would be an advantage. Essentially, the only people even trying it are people that could already afford it. I think you're right. The average person, the average household, hell, they're trying to put food on the table. you got a lot of people now that refrain from filling up their tanks. It's a half fill, and they just go as far as they can on that, trying to spread the cost out rather than bear that single 80 bucks or whatever it is to fill your tank up, they're not worried about installing solar panels and running out, oh, i got to go get me some electric appliances right away. Who's doing that? They dream this crap up. They don't ever consider basic human nature, nor do they ever go to the streets, maybe and talk to some people, hey, if we give you these credits, will you go out and do this? No, I'm not doing that. No, they don't ever. They just sit in that ivory tower bubble in Washington and just pump these laws out and then take victory laps. They have no idea what they're doing. Coming right back with more in the Element Well Studios. You're listening to Middays with Gerard. Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. The great 
Stevie Wonder bumping us into this segment here on Middays. We are live in the Element Well Studios. The ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Thomas and Greenwood says, then we'll worship the sun god when a solar flare fires the AI that enslaved mankind in the future. <laughs> According to the memes. Yeah, man. Wow, the ceasefire text line president elect sent us a screenshot of the purchase of some gasoline at the pump. $87.58 for 27 gallons this past Friday. Sickening what this jackass is doing to our country. I'm telling you, they're, they're celebrating it. They're giddy about that. They're ecstatic. It's true. You've seen it. Kerry said it. Oh, this makes renewable much more competitive. So, is there any a more brazen example of central planning government socialism than, well, yeah, we're just going to put all these rules in place that makes it impossible to produce, I don't know, the energy we need to live. And we're going to force these people, whether they like it or not, to go adopt renewal energy to power their lives. But don't use too much of it, though. It's pretty much what they're saying. It is ridiculous. There's no interest. And think about this. We have this Inflation Reduction Act, and we got Goofy, see if I can find it here, Hakeem Jeffries. You know who he is. He's the guy over there in the House that... uh, was the Democrat candidate for Speaker of the House, and he's kind of the speaker-in-waiting, if you will, when the Democrats retained, uh, I should say, shift control from Republican control now. He says, uh, this is just yesterday, uh, just to show you how out of touch these fools are. Wages are up, inflation is down, and Dems continue to build an economy that works for everyday Americans. How do you feel about that, ceasefire text president-elect? Texting in $87.58 gas charge on uh, or payment on this past Friday. How is that an economy that's working for everyone? You may not even have a vehicle, and you don't stop to gas it up. But you're mobile. You're moving around. I don't know anybody that's just... 100% confined to their residence. If you're moving around, if you're consuming anything, you have to. you got to eat. I guess you could grow your own. But even if you grow in your own, there's still an energy component in every aspect of life. I just, I, I can't imagine a life without consuming some form of energy. Well, if you're doing that, Your costs are up. They just are. One of the comments on on this um, tweet, if the economy is doing so great, why are you saying that millions will starve if we cut the food stamp budget by one penny? Great point. Because that's big news now, by the way. There's some some discussion. McCarthy, in, in his debt negotiating bill, wants to cut spending and proposes just plain old work requirements as a condition to receive 
some of these welfare benefits, such as food stamps, SNAP. you got to at least prove you're looking for a job. There are 10 million out there, 10 million jobs available. you got to at least prove you're looking for one, that you're willing to work, before the taxpayers just say, here, just stay home. Here's the food you need. I don't want anybody to starve, but that's what they'll tell us. That's what this commenter says. You say if we cut one penny, people will starve. Go to work. We need workers. And guess what else happens when people go to work? So they don't think this through. We produce more. And guess what happens when we produce more? We reduce inflation. They never think about the supply-side aspect of that. Ever. They don't understand basic economics. Gee, when there's more out there, the cost comes down. That's the way it works. When demand exceeds supply, cost goes up. Same for labor. But they're taking victory laps. Wages are up. No, wages are aren't are not up sufficient to offset inflation. I'd like to know if somebody out there says, yeah, my wages are up. I'm not worried about that inflation thing. It's not hurting me whatsoever. Yeah, my costs are up, but my wages dramatically exceed that. And I know there's some outliers. Maybe you're fortunate. You're having a banner year and some sort of variable compensation. Maybe you've got a great employer that increased your wages far more than the average increase. But on average in the country, these are statistical facts collected by and assembled by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Wages have not been increased sufficient to keep up with cost, with inflation. Simple as that. And now Joe Biden says, well, we're going to shut down half of America's power plants. Now, where did I get that? Well, there's been some studies done on what would happen if these cuts to these, these rules to require cuts in greenhouse gas emissions go into effect. Even the Washington Post, the far-left Washington Post says, wow, these cuts are so stringent that fossil fuel-powered plants, which supply 65% of America's power, would be technologically incapable of complying. The same thing the auto manufacturers have said with respect to recently introduced tailpipe emission standards. They said to stay open, these plants would have to dramatically raise Americans' utility bills, and John Kerry and his ilk would just be ecstatic. That's great! We'll force them into wind and solar and all this other dubious nonsense. So it's a double whammy in a few weeks, yet you got Hakeem Jeffries bragging about wages up, inflation down, while at the same time they're putting rules in place. So think about this. The Fed's over here trying to figure out what to do to combat inflation, and they keep raising interest rates. And in the meantime, the Biden administration institutes rules that do nothing but drive up inflation. Fiscal policy at odds with monetary policy. So Powell over there in the Fed, he's just wasting his time. Keep on raising those interest rates there, 
Fed Powell, Fed Chairman Powell. But as long as Biden's over here undermining your efforts by implementing these stupid emissions rules, what an interesting contradiction that is. That never gets mentioned, though, by the Democrats. It, it just doesn't. We got this debt showdown that's uh, brewing between McCarthy and Biden. Biden won't talk about it. I see a lot of Democrats on social media that, that parrot the Hakeem Jeffries, Democrat Joe Biden line, that the debt ceiling is is ex- exclusive matter. It's a totally separate matter. There should be no strings attached. McCarthy says not even coming to the table. The president not even coming to the table is an abdication of his responsibility. I agree. Which, of course, tells you there's zero interest in reining in spending. The only idea they have about trying to reduce the deficit is to take more income. Mainly from the most successful Americans. Except they haven't done the math to realize if you took it all, you still ain't got enough. They hadn't figured that out yet. Now, I I just sent you, um, I don't know if you got it, whether or not, Rhino, but Senator Kennedy from Louisiana question a UC Berkeley economics professor. And it was fascinating, and it was about taxes. And it I think it really reveals just how the left thinks about taxes. We'll get to it later on in the program. But the bottom line is they believe tax policy should be created in a very progressive fashion, which is what we already have, meaning the people with higher incomes pay much higher rates of taxes, and much much higher, I should say, share of taxes, not necessarily rates, but dollar share, than those at the lower incomes. And essentially, they just want to, them to just fund the entire government. But they look at the, at, at the tax system, the tax code, as just a way to achieve this income equality utopia that they want. Not just to raise a sufficient amount of money to just fund the constitutional appropriate functions of government. Coming right back in the Element Well Studios. You're listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. We just see notification. Folks are texting it in the news as well. Tucker Carlson, last program was Friday, April 21st. He's out. I always enjoyed Tucker's show. It's I don't always agree with some of his stuff. He gets a little sensational, I think. That's part of the shtick. Don't you think, I believe? Oh, yeah. But, um, and, and sometimes he would just, 
I guess we all do that. I know I do it as well. You harp on something just over and over and over again. But you only notice that if you watch it regularly. And and that's sometimes the reason that I'll revisit topics is because everybody doesn't listen to every show all three hours. And if if we're repeating ourselves, me especially, I apologize for that. But that's the, the logic behind that. Of course, he's got an hour show. Um, he's out. And Bongino as well, right? But the timing of it should at least say something, because usually if you're doing something and you're trying to hide it, you drop the news at 5 o'clock on a Friday. Yeah. The news dropped first thing Monday morning. Doesn't seem like they're trying to hide anything, and the statement said that they agreed to par ways. Yeah, and and there's no detail. So uh, Thompson Greenwood says, was he fired or did he leave? I, I don't know that we know at this point, right? I'm not sure. No, uh, no way to tell that that um, that I, from the news that we have. So on the ceasefire text line, somebody obviously is not a big um, Tucker Carlson fan. Says best news of the day is that Tucker Carlson is leaving Fox News. What a great day! Now, why is it a great day? Just curious. Why would you find it that something worthy of celebration? Because that texter is a miserable liberal that only wants everyone else to be just as miserable as they are. I, I did scroll back through some of the prior text, and I can understand how you came to that conclusion, shall we say. Well, he would report stuff that the liberal networks would not. And uh, says DJ and Summit on the ceasefire text line. I think there's some truth to that. It's, it's a bit of an expose type show. The left has them, too, honestly. And this is sort of back to that discussion we had last week about news versus opinion. Tucker Carlson show are opinion shows. I mean, that that block of three hours are opinion shows. I think all the net with the major networks have them, as far as I know. Interesting. Definitely not miserable and dang sure not a liberal, buddy. Could have fooled me with the nonsense you espouse. Okay, this is the same person that like called me buddy last week and said they were more educated than me. Define education. Is education measured by the number of hours one spends in a classroom? Number of degrees one has? Number of courses one has taken? Is that the... Only means to re- to become educated. My father had a fifth grade education. Pretty sure he's smarter than this person. Smartest guy I ever knew. Fifth grade could barely read. There's a lot of aspects of being smart and educated that one does not receive from a a classic traditional classroom education. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. It's really only academia and the failures that exist in academia that really put a whole lot of stock in all those letters after your name, especially when it's in useless fields of study. Yeah. I mean, how useful is a doctorate of gender studies? (laughs) Some of the courses you see, I, I agree, you just scratch your head and say, why are we spending time and money on this? What is 
What are students going to do with this? On the other hand, I wanted to share this. Next week, I will be off on Tuesday. So honored, so pleased to head to my alma mater, Ole Miss, and I have the privilege of addressing the School of Accountancy. I'm so excited about that. was asked by uh, the dean, Dean Mark Wilder, great dean of our great School of Accountancy. And I'm so looking forward to it. I always enjoy speaking with young young people, college students in particular, that are on the cusp of entering the workforce. It's going to be fun. And I look forward to sharing them some some old entrepreneurial war stories and how someone came out of the accountancy school and went into the IT world. It's a bit of a departure from what typically accounting students do, but I do believe it's the best background one could have for virtually any role in business. Point is, it is a very useful field of study, shall we say. We're taking a break right here. It is time for Fox News and Super Talk News, and then Mike McKenna, the president of MWR Strategies and columnist for the Washington Times. We'll talk a little politics. Stay with us. Welcome to the show that challenges you to think deeply, to think deeply. and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's Middays, Hour 2 of the program, kicking things off this week. Rhino and Gerard in the Element Well Studios. Joining us now, Mike McKenna, president of MWR Strategies and columnist for the Washington Times. Mike, welcome to Middays. Thanks for joining us. You betcha. Thanks for having me. All right, so things are really starting to heat up in the political world. In particular, we've got Joe Biden scheduled to announce his bid for re-election tomorrow. It's my understanding, Mike, that this is going to be a video announcement, not even a live announcement. Are we going to see another basement campaign? Yeah, I think so. Um, You know, the... It worked for him the first time, and uh, and truthfully, I'm not sure he's physically capable of any other kind of campaign. So it's you know it it's it's it, it is expected, right? And it's um, I'd be amazed if he if he had more than a handful of public events, right, where where he was actually out and interacting with people. I think a recent poll shows uh, I, I believe I got this figure right. Seventy three percent of those surveyed yeah. do not want the president to run for reelection, which of course includes a significant number of Democrats. Yeah, well, it's pretty obvious that it, the Wall Street Journal said it best. I think on Friday, maybe the, the editorial page said, "Hey, it, it, 
every anybody who is willing to see this knows that this fella is deteriorating right in front of our eyes. Right. You know, at, at the end of it, at the end of this second term, he would be eighty six years old. You know, I, I don't know how to say this the right way, but I don't think anybody thinks America is going to surge to greatness under the leadership of a of a guy in his middle eighties. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. Well, do you see anybody else emerging as uh, a possible challenger uh, for the Democrats? Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, set up a super PAC about two weeks ago, okay. and it wasn't it wasn't like announced. It was very low key, but I thought to myself, that's the kind of thing you do if you're about to <laughs> if you're thinking about running for president. You don't want to you don't want to get you don't get everybody too angry all at once, but it's obvious to me that Gavin Newsom's thinking about picking up the pieces in the event that, that there's a fall. Yeah, and of course we've already got uh, Robert uh, Kennedy, who was announced. Uh, and Marianne Williamson. I'm tremendously yeah, yeah. excited about both of them. You know, the <laughs> thing about Robert Kennedy, right, name ideas like nothing else on this planet, right? Yeah. You know, everybody, everybody in the world knows who the Kennedys are. Sure. Um, and there was a survey that the first survey out of the gate showed that he was percent of the vote against against um, President Biden. I have no idea if that's true or not, but if it's true, it's remarkable. Yes, yeah, say it again. You broke up a little bit. What percent of the vote? Fourteen, one yeah. four yeah. Uh, percent of the vote against Biden, which is just remarkable against a sitting president. So yeah. Gosh, I, I don't know what to make of that. Gavin Newsom has been sort of active, really, in in blasting. Uh, Republicans, and in particular, he, he's even taking shots at uh, our state of Mississippi here. Just any Republican-led state, uh, Gavin Newsom sees fit uh, to trash, especially Florida, Texas, uh, the big high-profile uh, red states. Is this a winning strategy? I, I, I'm glad you asked me that. Because <laughs> I've been looking at it for the last month, thinking to myself, you know, eventually. You're going to run. If you think you're going to run for president, you're going to need some votes here. Um, <laughs> I, I don't get the idea that you walk around and tell people, you know, go into their own backyards and say, "Hey, we're doing it better than you are across the way." And it'd be one thing if he was running Florida, if he was running Texas, if he was running a prosperous state, a, a, a healthy state. But he's running California, from which human beings are fleeing at an enormous rate. That they're going elsewhere as fast as they can go. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 the chutzpah of the guy is pretty amazing if you think about it. <laughs> it seems to me like that just gives fodder for uh, Ron DeSantis uh, if he officially enters the race, honestly, when he starts contrasting his state of Florida to the state of California. I don't know that that's very useful in a primary against uh, Donald Trump, but should he advance to a general and, and do some where the, the Democrat nominee, that, that seems like that'd be pretty effective. I, it, it's right. It's a good. It's a good comparison. Hey, you know, uh, a million people left your state in the last year and a half and moved basically to Florida and/or Texas. So you know, people are already voting with their feet there, Governor Newsom. I, I don't understand it. It's indefensible um, from a policy point of view. Um, I, I get the feeling he's not the sharpest pencil in the box <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, that that seems to be the uh, fair, fairly evident as well. Uh, do you believe in the possible theory, I guess you could call it that, that Democrats were are comfortable electing a Joe Biden because they don't feel like he'll last through uh, the entirety of his second term? 
and his running mate Kamala Harris would, of course, be escalated uh, into the White House as the president. And, of course, that would be a rather monumental mark, she being an African-American female. Yeah, I'm sure there's some 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 of that thought going on. Um, I think the main thought, though, and this is this is um, this is I think important, right? The main thought is is that Joe Biden is a happy face on a terrible agenda. <laughs> you know, everybody looks at Uncle Joe, you know, and says, "Oh, he's a good guy, right? He's he's one of us, right? Everybody out in America, he's one of us, right? Yeah. He's a union guy. He goes to church. He's a normal guy. He likes cars. He likes ice cream, <laughs> right?" Um, they need that, right? Because they are they are pitching an agenda that is about three clicks to the left of anything any American would tolerate on the regular, right? Yeah. So, so you know, part of it is part of it is you know they'd like to keep um, Vice President Harris in line, right? Um, part of it is that they really need him as a as a front man for this operation. I, I don't know how to say that. I don't have to say that any better. If the election. If the primaries were to be held today, let's put it that way, I, I think we would see Joe Biden versus Donald Trump uh, to advance to the general. How do you see that playing out in 24, Mike? <laughs> you're, trying to get me, you're trying to get me in trouble with all my friends. I like that. I appreciate that. Um, no, I'm interested in your analysis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing, right? 70% of the voters have said they don't want Joe Biden. Yeah. Sixty percent of the voters have said they don't want Donald Trump. Um, so the two main parties are, of course, going to give them Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Um, <laughs> it, it, it really is going to be it, it really is going to be dependent on two things, right? On what kind of campaign gets run. If if and it'll be real, right, Joe Biden. I know what kind of campaign he's going to run. He's going to sit in his basement and say, "We did a bunch of good stuff for you." Um, you know. And by that, he, of course, means we spent a bunch of your money and stuff you may or may not have agreed with. But anyway, um, so that's the campaign he's going to run. Donald Trump's going to – if Donald Trump runs a campaign like he did in 2016, forward-looking, about the issues that people care about, about immigration, about the economy, about our failings in the world, however you think about those, right, um, about about world culture to a certain extent, right, yeah. um, he'll win. Yeah. If he runs a campaign about grievances and about himself and about a vendetta, he will lose. No, no, I don't. I don't think it gets any simpler than that. If, if the campaign is about the people, if it's Donald Trump and Joe Biden, it's about the people. Donald Trump will win. If Donald Trump, President Trump, makes it about President Trump, he will lose. Right? That, that's simple as it gets. Yeah. I, I actually agree with you. I saw also a recent poll that showed that 60% of independents, I believe, this may have been in the Washington Post, uh, 60% of independents don't would not support Donald Trump. And I felt like, well, that kind of spells uh, defeat for Donald Trump. you you got to pull off the, uh, the independents. What do you think? Yeah, it, 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 it's a it's a problem, and yeah, I think it was in the post, but I don't I don't read the post, so I don't I'm not sure. But um, <laughs> it, it, it it's a problem, right? And that's why he has to make if he's if he if he is the nominee, the campaign has to be about something other than him. Yeah, because if it because if it's about him, 
is going to lose. And that's what that I think. I think that's what that survey is, is telling you. Yeah. You know, if it's about the economy, about immigration, about um, concerns over our weakness in the world, um, you know, concerns about China, um, you know, and he can win. Uh, it, it, it's and the other thing, of course, and I don't mean to be, I'm not trying to avoid anything here, yeah. but the other thing that's going to be relevant in the campaign is what happens in the next year. Yeah, good point. You know, China invades Taiwan and we do nothing, and it's going to be important. Yeah, China invades Taiwan and it's a disaster. That's going to be important too. Economic downturn happens. That's going to be important. Or banks fail. That's going to be important. Yeah, um, totally agree. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Mike, excellent. Appreciate it, sir. Great analysis. Uh, really appreciate you joining us here on Middays. Take care. You too. Thanks, sir. That's Mike McKenna, president of MWR Strategy and a columnist for The Washington Times. We're stepping aside for a break right here on Middays. We're in the Element Wealth Studios. Days with Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this. On Super Talk, Mississippi. Let's go. Back in the Element Well Studios. So, according to, there's always a lot of talk about Kamala Harris is really not black. Well, Americans who identify as two or more races, she is considered biracial under the way we account for such. Americans who identify as two or more races are one of the fastest growing in the country. Interesting. 2.5% of the adult population is biracial. But racial identity is complex. It's not simple. Although some in this country like to oversimplify everything. I mean, just look at the land acknowledgments. This yeah. land belonged to this tribe. Well, okay, who'd they take the land from when they took it? Because all land is conquered land. Right. That's absolutely right. So I guess it comes down to whether or not someone from Jamaica is black. And then what defines black? And then, of course, typically... It's referred to as African America, but who settled Jamaica? Where, I'm trying to remember which country that was. But what inhabitants of what continent settled Jamaica? 
Settled by the Spanish in 1510, and the indigenous Tayano people were forced into slavery and eventually exterminated. Okay. Interesting. The vast majority of current Jamaicans are of sub-Saharan African descent with minorities of European, East Indian, Chinese, Middle Eastern, and others of mixed ancestry. Okay. Uh, African descent, though. Right. Um, but 75% of all TV commercials are biracial. That I agree with. That's on the ceasefire tax line. And that is a, um, a form of virtue signaling. You, you, so in general, I think here's where we are from a culture pers- perspective. Anything that is considered traditional and mainstream, mainstream in that it was sort of common for decades, that has been replaced. You get it. It's about the attention thing. It's really what it's all about. You, you made that point. Many times. I think accurately. It's about attention. Well, because the social currency is victimhood. So the more checkboxes you can check on intersectionality and the more identities that are oppressed that you can attribute yourself to, then the more social currency you have. Right. But And so I think that's what's going on with these companies. It is true. I agree with this. And it's crazy in my view. It seems like you'd be more concerned about the most effective approach to selling your goods or services. It's it's Bud Light. I had this crazy idea, one person. It seems it's one person, as far as the company's telling us. Though the apology by the CEO is pretty weak, pretty tacit. So you kind of wonder if that individual wasn't aware. And the other person, the marketing person, leave of absence, gone, Right. But it's the same deal. Like this, let's go get a transgender spokesperson. Is that really going to boost sales? That's, that ought to be the goal of advertising. Promotion. And when you watch all these commercials, I agree. You rarely see just a, what used to be considered sort of a commonly common mainstream family. You typically don't see... Um, you see, you do see a lot of biracial families. You see a lot of gay individuals featured. I, I agree. Uh, and then Asians, right? But remember what what was it that spurred that some event that where we started recently, last couple of years? Was well, that, I mean that that's been in cycles because. I want to say it was the mid to late 2000s when China really got friendly with American companies selling products and services to Chinese citizens. And it, it kind of goes in cycles where they will allow it and there will be a big push by American companies to enter the market in China and, and capture the hearts and minds of a billion people. And then China will get upset and cut ties, and those companies have to leave the country or sell. And then China will make their yeah. mind up. Oh, well, we like the money, so they'll open it back up, and companies will come back. And they, they do this over and over and over again. I think, however, now that it, it hit me, Rhino, it's COVID. Because a lot of people started looking uh, – at least that was the theory. A lot of folks started looking down on Asians because of the origins of COVID – 
traced to China, and there was a feeling that uh, they were being, I guess, discriminated against, and so you started to see them promoted more, used more. And look, let me be clear. These are private companies. They can do whatever the hell they want. They can do it. I just disagree with it. I believe the purpose of advertising, promotion, marketing should be to increase sales, to get people to cast the widest net possible. Yeah. So I don't think this does it. It it is very – you you can't help but recognize it, right, that it's just – I never see anybody that looks like me. And I get it. You you sort of want to, like you said, cast the widest net and – but you need to think about, well, who buys these products and services? Like in the case of Bud Light, they said we're trying to get more sales uh, to the, the younger population. Was well, that the way to do it? I mean, so somehow you had the idea that, oh, if we just got a transgender spokesperson, we'll appeal to younger consumers of beer. Doesn't seem like that's the way to do it. It's the it's the military. We, gosh, there could probably be be no more stark example that we've shared it here. The one from the seventies that this looks like you know wow that would be exciting to jump out of an airplane <laughs> and uh, do a whole bunch of stuff as the ad goes before seven o'clock in the morning before anybody else has even gotten up. All of a sudden, then we got a lesbian couple with a transgender child that's thinking about going in the army. Like how how many people is that appealing to? Who identifies with that? Is that really going to increase? and enhance recruitment efforts. That ought to be the goal. Has anybody done any research on that, or did they just say, no, we're going to do this to check that box and call attention to ourselves and virtue signal? It's We talked about it last week. It's rocket mortgage putting tampons in the men's bathroom and paying a third party. Aunt Flo, F-L-O-W. I didn't even know such a company existed. That's just another example. Seems uh, upside down to me. I don't know. Oh, on the ceasefire text line, white grievance. No, it's not a grievance. That's what the left does. They invented the grievance industry. They invented victimhood. No, I don't care. That's what I'm trying. That's the point I'm trying to make. I just think you're dumb, companies, for doing that. That's all I'm saying. It, no, the same as it was dumb for Major League Baseball to move the All Star Game out of Atlanta over voting rights. It was dumb for Disney to attack a bill. Under false pretense, honestly. I just want these companies to focus on their value to society, and that's producing goods and services that improve the quality of life, allow us to live. Just do that, can't you? Why do you got to put tampons in the men's bathroom? I don't really think that helps the mortgage loan industry. That's what you do, Rocket Mortgage. You lend money for homes. I don't see how that helps. I really don't. I learned last week about a friend.
friend that's on a board of a national organization, and they're going to have pronoun training. Like, no, that's not what your mission is. <laughs> How does that enhance the mission? Oh, we got to be careful. We don't want to offend anybody and use the wrong pronoun. <laughs> Unbelievable. When we come back, we've got some sound to play for you. It's a couple of minutes. It's Senator Kennedy from Louisiana questioning a UC Berkeley economics professor. Bring it on! Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on! On Super Talk Mississippi. We are back in the Element Well Studios. So a lot of folks feel like that this advertising phenomenon, which features mostly those that um, I guess would be considered outside of what has traditionally been considered mainstream. Uh, uh, for example, just a, a white couple consisting of a male and a female, father and mother, respectively, in a in an advertisement that would feature a couple, for example. You just don't see much of that anymore. Yet that's still comprises most of the buying population. Now, of course, it depends on the product or service you're, you're selling. Certainly understand. Some, some are just more uh, appealing to certain races and ethnicities than, than others. And again, uh, I don't really care what they do from the standpoint of their being a private company. I just find it to be counter to... Their mission, which is to make great products and services and sell as much of it as they can and produce a profit in doing so, it's just interesting to watch how all that is played. And, and it's a, it's like they try to outdo each other, sort of competitive. Oh, you saw that ad, watch us here, though. Kind of almost feels like Bud Light did that to, to their uh, chagrin, of course, because it to their detriment, I should say, because it, it affected them. Certainly sales are down. Their market cap's really not down substantially. Sales are down 5 to 8% or so, and they may rebound. But it's not just Bud Light. I think theirs is probably the most overt example because it's you couldn't help but see those ads. The rest of these companies, you kind of have to dig into their information that's publicly available. Like, a lot of folks say, I'm going to Miller Lite. Go look up Miller Lite and their commitment to pride. Huge, huge effort from a corporate perspective. That's Molson Coors, the parent company. Big. 
whole sections on their website about the Miller Lite Pride stuff. You can't run, is the point. Find one that's not woke, that doesn't have some agenda, that doesn't have some efforts and, and initiatives in place, that doesn't have a DEI department. You can't find one that's well-funded, by the way, well-staffed and well-funded. I'm not exactly sure what they do other than dream up ads that, that, um, that, that sort of feature people that probably aren't most of their buyers. Let's put it that way. Senator Kennedy over in Louisiana had a little fun with a UC Berkeley professor Take a listen here. T- tell me if you were king for a day and you could rewrite America's tax code, tell me the three changes you would make. Um, number one, I would equalize uh, labor and capital tax burdens at the top. There are a couple ways of doing that. The billionaire minimum income tax is one that would move in that direction. I won't rehash um, those details. Um, Senator Johnson actually talked about a corporate tax integration type. What's number two? Sure. Um, uh, number two, part of closing the labor and capital um, uh, uh, disparity is closing the Gingrich Edwards loophole. And number three is ending um, abuse of tr- tr- trusts. So the estate tax has been eviscerated. Um, many of those, you take assets that you know are worth a lot. Right now, they're purportedly worth a little because you haven't taken your company public. You put them into a trust. It do, explodes. Do you, do you support a wealth tax? Do you know what I mean by wealth tax? I do know what you mean by wealth tax. The billionaire minimum income tax taxes uh, income, and that, I think, is the way forward in that space. Well, let me, let me be a little more precise. <laughs> do, do, you, do you think appreciation of assets that are not sold, unrealized gain, should be taxed? I think you should have to prepay tax on it that will eventually be due at sale, gift, or bequest. What do you mean prepay the tax? Sure. So, um, yeah, that's enough of that. uh, Five billion dollars. So, just so you'll know, folks, this, um, his first, when when Kennedy said, if you were king for a day, what are the three things you'd change in the tax code? And the very first one was eliminate what he called the disparity between taxation of labor versus capital. So that's that's economic code speak for those who earn their income from their investments. Right? They've produced income, pay taxes on them. Now they've got assets that they've produced from that effort, that work, and they now live off the income produced by those assets, so-called capital gains, dividends, interest. He wants to tax those income streams as ordinary income. They get all mad about that because the rate on the taxation of, of capital is 23.8% at the federal level, but on income, it can go up to 37.6%. 
at the, at the highest bracket. So they want to eliminate that disparity, which means they essentially want to double the tax rate on passive income. They, they hate that. They loathe that. That's, what, that's when you hear the Joe Biden say, it's just not fair that a billionaire pays a lower tax rate than a teacher, which is complete horse hockey. But that's what he said. That's what he's, he's talking about here, this professor from UC Berkeley, by the way. Then the other one is the Gingrich Edwards loophole. And that refers to pass-through income. This is typical in a small, mid-sized business where you operate the business, you pay yourself a salary, and that salary is also subject to Social Security and Medicare tax, just like the typical employee would be. But all the other profit, if there is some, on top of your salary flows through to the owners. They pay income tax on that, but it is not subject to Social Security and Medicare. So he wants to eliminate that and make these small business owners pay for that. Won't increase their Social Security and Medicare benefits. They just have to pay more so they can fund the benefits of others. And then the other thing he wants to change is the estate tax. He just thinks that's completely unfair because there's an exemption on uh, assets transferred in an estate tax exemption. I don't remember what the figure is now. It's been escalating, but it's Twelve, thirteen million dollars for a couple, I think, um, or, or individually, I think is what it sits at. What's in that? Was eleven and something? I think it's up since then. The estate tax exemption, but he wants to completely eliminate that, which means that any sort of family wealth built, just shy of thirteen million. Okay, so any sort of family wealth accumulated, passed down to heirs, for example. They'd have to go pay taxes immediately on that, even if they didn't have the cash to pay it, which means they'd have to go liquidate assets. But the bigger question is, why? Why are they obsessed with this? Like, that wouldn't raise, honestly, a whole lot of money, a lot of income. All three of those ideas don't really, don't even come close to eliminating, closing the deficit. They don't come close to that. It's one point scheduled to be $1.5 trillion this year. Don't come close. So you can't say, okay, well, this professor, he's just trying to be fiscally responsible, bring more revenue in, so we'll generate less uh, deficit and add less to the debt. No, he just wants to punish. This is their idea of, you made more money than they did, you got to give them some. And I'm going to skim off the top Well, I implement these schemes to do so. And nobody ever asks, well, what do you want to do with that money? The only answer you'll ever get, more programs. We need more programs. Well, what do you mean more programs? That's still not enough to fund your outrageous, outlandish spending ideas. You probably saw over the weekend, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has resurrected the Green New Deal. They got some of it in the Inflation Reduction Act, which now the Biden administration has admitted, yeah, this was really a climate change bill. You know how much that thing costs? What she wants to do? $93 trillion. That's T trillion. Trillion dollars. That's what she wants. And she says, well, that's nothing compared to the alternative. 
This is this is not a lot of money when you consider how big the problem is. Coming right back with the final segment, and then uh, Super Talk Outdoors with Ricky Matthews. Are we gonna do this middays with Gerard Gibbert? Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk Mississippi. Ceasefire text line, Stephen from Greenville says, Gerard, these idiots that talk to smack do not own their own businesses or they would understand how it works. Yeah, I I hear you, Stephen. Uh, these economists that um, go out and spout and call for these reforms in the tax code that are always focused on, we got to get more taxes out of those at the upper income levels. Again, I, I just ask, well, why would we want to send more money to the federal government, which is the most inefficient manager of capital, arguably, on the planet? Well, for what? Why do we want to send them more money? And, and again, you can't say, well, we need it so we can spend more, because that isn't getting in the way now. You're spending $1.5 trillion more right now than you're taking in. So your argument that, well, we need it so we can spend more doesn't hold any water because you're doing that now. You're spending more now without regard for how much you take in. That's how we got $31 trillion in debt. It'd be a little different if it worked the way, let's say, the state government works, which is you got to balance the budget by law. Can't spend more than you take in. But they don't. So you, they really don't care about deficits and debt. What they care about is power. And they see that the path to power is to expand the largesse of government. Let me just send more money out there, and I'll stay in office. There's two things that I think are going to be central to the next presidential election from a policy perspective. And Mike McKenna, whom we had on earlier, writes for the Washington Times. He's absolutely right, Rhino, in that we don't know what could happen between now and then. And there's time. And I agree totally. A bank failure, a plunge into a a hard recession, folks losing jobs, that's that's what really gets the attention more so than inflation. And I've made that point before. A lot of people are not happy about inflation, but as long as they're working, they don't feel as bad as when they're not working. That's what really gets voters' attention. There's something wrong with a guy in the White House. I can't find a job. We're not at that point. We don't have that problem. You do see that Disney's letting 10,000 people go, most of whom work for ESPN. ESPN, floundering. No surprise. Facebook, big tech, lots of layoffs coming in there. Bed, bath, and beyond filing for bankruptcy. By the way, their stock in 2014, the company founded in 71. In 2014, selling at $80 a share. Nine years ago. It's 23 cents now. 
Now, you could, I'm sure, dig and find all kinds of reasons for why they're failing. I blame the Beyond part of their stores. Could be. It had to be pretty expensive to keep that up. Could be. You could be right. A lot of, lot of expensive brick and mortar. No doubt about that. But, so you've got a, a lot of companies that are starting to struggle, feeling the effects of this ridiculous inflation, the high cost of labor, and people pulling back on their spending habits. All this is into play right now. And we have a guys like Hakeem Jeffries that are out there praising Biden and touting how great everything is. But I don't think that aligns with reality. Yeah, Ben from Madison informs Don Lemon. Rhino just told me that on the break. He's out. So on one day, we got Tucker Carlson out, big headliner. I think the top-rated show in that lineup, if I'm not mistaken, maybe their top-rated show overall. Oh, yeah. It's, it's entertaining. I mean, if you can get past some of the content that you may or may not care for, he's pretty entertaining. I, I like it. Well, his. we discussed it after the settlement. They're going to have to pay, what, over half of a year's worth of yeah. their revenue? On the Dominion case. So you would think if their top-rated host is making the most, I then agree. you got to cut somewhere. I, I agree. Where, I don't, like with the Fox thing, that was released by Fox as a statement, whereas Don Lemon's termination was released by Don Lemon saying nobody came to talk to him. They just told him he was gone. It, it's hard to, to even think about speculating what happened here between Fox and, and Tucker. I don't want to speculate they fired him. I don't want to speculate that he left on his own accord. Just don't know. I don't, if I, I had to guess, yeah. like, you got to make a guess, it would be they came to him and said, hey, look, your name was involved in us having to settle. you got to take a pay cut. And he said, my contract says otherwise. And they're like, well, we can't do this anymore. I think that's a plausible theory. There's no doubt that he probably had more content in his show about that, about Dominion and guests regarding that, than any other. I would agree with you. That could be it. Tim and Cleveland, when are people going to realize that neither Biden, Schumer, nor McConnell are calling the shots? George Soros and the Chinese are the real power. Yeah, not really totally in line with that, Tim. We're out of time here today. It's Super Talk Outdoors next. Stay safe. God bless. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.